0: Welcome to the Bean Ninjas Podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. We are back at it once again, and welcome to the Bean Ninjas Podcast. On this week's episode, I am joined once again by my co-host, the CEO and co-founder of Bean Ninjas, Meryl Johnston. And she's going to tell us how she became a training organization. And what we mean by that is not that she trains other companies, at least not yet. Uh, We're talking about how she trains her team members, why training is a very big part of her foundation. And when she started Be ninja she started out as a training organization and has made it a very purposeful part of onboarding new team members she makes every team member eventually become a trainer themselves and how in the world she's able to do that with an international fully remote team is something that i couldn't wait to ask her and get her advice and information on that so we're going to talk about her four training steps that she takes to train all of her uh, team members We talk a little bit about different learning styles and how to train and interact with each of those. And then we learn a little bit about her background as an athletic coach herself. She did a lot of training, worked on some really intricate um, things with some of her students when she uh, was training in athletics. And we're going to talk a little bit about training the trainer So there is no one in Bean Ninjas that doesn't at some point get new training, which I think is amazing. And we're going to learn a little bit about how she does that, and we're going to learn why, why it's important to her to have a company where everyone is trained and becomes a trainer, and then what she plans to do with that entire process in the future. So stay right here for another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Bean Ninjas Podcast, everyone. I'm your co-host Elizabeth Powers, joined once again this week by Meryl Johnston. Hi Meryl, how are you?
1: Hey Elizabeth, I'm doing great, thanks. How about you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Tell me what's been going on in the last
1: week, what have you been up to? So I'm here in the U.S., we've been opening the U.S. office in Tucson and we had Wayne on the podcast on our last episode, chatting a little bit about his new role with Bean Ninjas. And so I've been spending a lot of time really just getting to know Wayne more, working on our strategy, meeting his family, getting to know Arizona and, and the desert and um, enjoying the heat. It's actually winter where I live on the Gold Coast at the moment, not that it gets that cold there. So I've definitely um, been struggling a little bit with that.
0: Nice. Um, And we for everyone who missed last week's episode, I just have to say, if you want to know why Wayne and Meryl have been getting up at 445 in the morning, check out last week's episode <laughs> to find out why there's a very specific reason for it and an actual process that you all are following to help you get up that early and you're benefiting from it. So I thought that was really interesting. Um I've done it before, too. I actually loved it when I did it. So I think you've inspired me to try again to make my mornings a little bit earlier Um, this week we're going to be talking about being a training organization and I want to start with the real simple question which is you know I'm thinking as a manager in a team myself I think well, I train everyone that comes on board everyone gets trained no matter what your job is you get some training what is the difference between what is sort of average training on the job training And what Be Ninjas does because you refer to yourself as a training organization. So tell me what that is exactly.
1: I think often you'll hear the word training organization used when someone or the business is selling training to someone else. But what I mean by that is that we're very intentional about training and development. And I want everyone in the team to be a great trainer. And the reason for that is because we have a fast growing team. And so we regularly hire people. And also, I want there to be growth within the business so that as our team members build skills, there's a career path for them to move upwards, either into a technical area or into management. And to do that, they need to pass on their skills to some a newer member of the team. And so I want everyone in the team to be a great trainer. And to do that, we need to teach people how to be good trainers. Do you
0: find or do you believe that it's even more important for companies that are remote based, so your entire workforce is either working from home or maybe in a co-working space um, that's kind of optional, do you think it matters more to be a training organization for that type of company?
1: Absolutely. I think you can get lazy with training when you actually sit in the same room as someone because they can interrupt you and ask questions. Which, which is good that you're collaborating, but I, I think constant interruptions actually slow everyone's productivity down. And I think it also means you can be lazy with your training because you don't necessarily need to think about everything that someone needs to know, what order they need to learn it in, and how you're going to make sure that they've understood it when they're not sitting right next to you. And as an example, we're doing some client handovers in our business at the moment, and it happens that these two bookkeepers live in the same city, so they could do them right next to each other. But I actually suggested it would be better that we record videos and write notes so that the training on these clients only needs to be created once and then it can be handed over to the bookkeeper that's picking up these clients but also a new bookkeeper or someone else could pick up all of that training material. So that's one example of actually turning it into an advantage when you're used to op- operating in a remote environment where you create this material rather than relying on passing conversations to create training opportunities.
0: I love that idea. And I find that I ask when I have marketing clients, I work with them more and more on providing videos, even just kind of to answer some general questions, because it may be eight or 12 weeks into my contract with them when I need to kind of go back and have that conversation again. And it's so nice when I can just access the same video where they told me everything to begin with and not waste their time or, you know, ask them to go through something they've already been through again. So I love the idea of using videos for training. And like you said, then you create it once, catalog it, and it's available um, sort of eternally or as needed. You have like so many other things in your company, and we've talked a lot about how your processes, even the ones that you created in your seven day launch, a lot of them um, are things that you're still using today in being ninjas. And so we know that you're great at creating processes And developing very specific ways to do things do you have
1: a step-by-step process that you follow for training we should we don't actually it's so (laughs) it's funny (laughs) that you pointed that out it's probably more of a cultural thing where we we have an approach my team always hear to talk about why and that relates to our big vision but that also ties in with any kind of training or anything that we're doing that it needs to have context as to why someone needs to know it and so i do have approach that i've used with training and so i think that a lot of people in the team who work closely with me will have picked it up but we probably that's probably something that we actually need is a documented um, approach to step-by-step training but i'll just quickly talk through how i would train someone and others may have different approaches and this isn't necessarily the only way or the right way but this is something that i've developed after spending a lot of time thinking about training and testing different things. So I found that this is what works for me. And so starting with why and giving a brief context, then giving a quick overview and some step-by-step examples, and then three is having someone actually or the student or the learner do it themselves and then quickly providing feedback on that. And the mistake I see when I observe other people training is I think they spend far too long talking at the beginning and talking about why or showing someone and not enough time letting the learner do it themselves and then giving them feedback and answering their questions so if i had 30 minutes to train someone i'd want to spend only five minutes on step one and two and then use a lot more time to have the learner do it themselves and and give feedback and kind of break it down into smaller chunks and give feedback quickly i love
0: that you start with why and i have kind of a funny anecdotal story about that. And you probably may have heard it before. When I heard it, it just cracked me up because I'm one of those people that always wants to know the why behind the what. So I don't want you to just tell me what to do. I want you to tell me why we do this. Um, You know, I am always sort of thinking of ways to, you know, streamline a process, ways to do things more efficiently. So I have to know why we're doing it in order to come to answers to those other questions. But I heard this little story once about three generations of women who are at, you know, a holiday celebration. And the granddaughter, you know, she's just started her own family. So she's hosting the dinner. She's made a ham and she's cut sort of the end of the ham off. And that's somebody comes in and says, why, why did you cut part of the ham off? Why didn't you cook the whole thing? She said, well, I don't know. That's just the way my mom did it. And so her mom is there and she says, oh, well, I did it because that's the way my mom did it. And the grandmother says, I don't know why you all did it. I did it because my pan was too small. (laughs) So I love that story because it's like, you know, two generations of women never thought to ask why they just knew the what's. And so they're wasting all this ham, you know, year after year. And I thought that's a great anecdote because it does kind of get to the importance of, you know, asking the question why. So I love that that's your number one step and you spend just enough time on it to get the message across and then move on to, you know, going through an interview and a step-by-step example. I know that when I have managed, um, my team members, and of course, adding new team members, everyone always has a different way that they prefer to learn. Everyone's a different type of learner. How do you approach that? And are you able to accommodate each different type of learner?
1: I think it's important to be aware that there are different types of learners, and you can kind of get a sense for what someone's preference is, maybe, but but maybe you need to ask someone, or maybe they're not even aware of what their preferred learning style is and I'll just quickly run through the different learning styles so some people are visual which means that they like to see information or they might like to see graphs or charts some people are auditory which means they like to hear information so they might learn well in a lecture environment some like reading or writing and that so I'm definitely one of those i like to read something and then I'll write something to take notes about it and then the last one is kinesthetic which means that they're hands-on experimental learners so they'll learn by doing and for myself I'm the last two, so I like to read it to understand it and then quickly do it and maybe my teaching style is partly related to how I like to, to learn because I spend a lot of time in the doing phase or getting other people to do and sometimes you may not be able to cater to someone's preferred learning style but I think it's important just to be aware that there are different learning styles and Especially if you prefer if you're auditory and you're talking to someone. For example, if someone was giving conveying information to me, I'm not going to retain a lot of it if I just hear it. And so that's not a very useful training exercise for me. And just being aware of that means that you can can cater to it. And, and even having the conversation. So Wayne and I were talking today about the ways that we like to work together. And I was explaining that I prefer I'll take information better if it's written down rather than if I hear it. And so having that conversation together, we're able to work together more effectively.
0: Do you find that with working with remote teams that there are any tools you lean on to help you with your training? Because obviously we mentioned that you do some videos. Are there other tools you find really useful that you're able to implement to make the process of training and learning easier?
1: Well, video, so we use Loom. We love Loom. Loom videos, it's, we we create so many of them, and often we we're in Slack all day running messages. But then, often if there's something that's a bit harder to convey, then we'll do a Loom video. Or if it's step by step, we'll definitely use Loom. But often I will write. A, so if I'm trying to convey information, I'll write a Google doc and then also do a video to explain it. And that kind of caters to the different learners. Mm-hmm. If I think about other people in the team, I'd, I'd say they're the most common. So writing in Slack or in Google docs or doing videos. So you
0: onboard a new team member and you, you've gotten them through sort of the initial training and now you need to um, train them in maybe someone else's tasks in case someone is out sick. Um, do you set aside specific days, you know, as far as looking at a new hire? Are you spending the first 90 days just making sure that they kind of understand the basics of working with Be Ninja? Is it like 120 days in, you start training them on someone else's work? How does How do you lay it out as far as when is the best time to train them on, you know, more than just
1: the basics? It happens fairly quickly. So, we have a step-by-step onboarding process and the first day is quite structured and the first week is fairly structured. But we actually like to get people into doing their actual work quickly because, again, that gives context and then it helps all of the other information like information about our values or what the business is striving for or a strategy by actually getting their hands dirty and doing some of the work in that first week. Then it 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 provides better context for all all the training, and then we just gradually increase the complexity of the work as their skills grow. And I think that's another important part of training is feedback. So it's not just about presenting information to someone, but it is asking questions. Not just did did you understand? Yes, I understood. It's digging a bit deeper to ask them to explain things back to you to make sure that things have been understood, and then having feedback loops so you can actually check. To, to yes it sounds like they understood but does the work reflect that and then you identify more training opportunities when you review the work and with, with feedback
0: really important to say to to make sure that they understand that you understand so as the person training it's important for me being trained it's important for me to make sure that my trainer understands that I understand um it's kind of a Funny way to say it, but it's an important um, piece there. And at some point in their tenure, obviously, if you're going to continue to scale and make sure that you are a training organization and that there's consistent training um, going on and that it's happening in regular intervals, at some point, the person who was being trained has to become the
1: trainer. How does that process work? I think it just naturally evolves. So as someone is taking on more responsibility in the business, Basically, we're trying to have a backup for every role. So that means that every every task that someone is doing in their role, they need to train someone else on how to do that because as a startup, it can be quite difficult for key team members to take holidays. And But one of our core values is around freedom and, and having balance outside of work, which means that we want everyone in the team to actually take holidays and have a break and not take their laptop. But in order to do that with a small team, it means everyone needs to train someone else in their role. And so as soon as someone is moving into a level of responsibility where they haven't necessarily been trained on that role, then then they need to learn how to do that. And so we try and guide them through that. For example, Tom, who recently was promoted to European team manager and was quickly had had progressed and was managing two staff, he we've sent him on some training about being a good manager and also on how to train. Um, because we realised that he needed So, yes, we have some of that knowledge in-house, but in that case, some external training was also useful for him. And I wanted to give an example of the – I was talking about the feedback loop before, but I wanted to give an example of what can go wrong if you don't do that. Mm. So, we had a particular project in the business where there was a high volume of work to be completed, but it was quite repetitive. It needed to be rolled out over a large – basically – yeah, a large number of our clients. And so what we should have done with the training was ha- was done done one client first and then checked it and perfected that and then rolled it out to everyone. But instead, what we did was roll it out to everyone and then identify that we'd missed a step in the training process and then had to redo everything. And so that's an example wow. where if we'd looked at feedback, we provided feedback and did a much more detailed review of the very first task, we could have avoided that.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting. And again, I love that you're sharing that and kind of admitting that, you know, even as an experienced co-founder and CEO, you know, there are some times when you have some missteps. Tell me a little bit about how you, because I know your training background and your interest and kind of appreciation for it um, predates Being Ninjas. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you've applied that experience within Be Ninjas.
1: When my first job, my very first job was at scooping ice cream, but my next job after that was sports coaching. And I worked as a tennis coach and I also coached soccer and hockey. And as a coach, I was really interested in trying to get the best out of my team. And some of that related to how you train particular players on particular skills and then some of that was more strategy of the sport strategy in terms of where you had particular players positioned and what the team tactics were but I was and and that's probably more related to leadership but it was the training of particular skills that I was interested in too and so I did a number of courses including a six month course around being an advanced tennis coach and coaching high performance players and that kind of really sparked my interest in training and coaching. And then later on in my career, when I was working as an accountant at the airport, I went and did a certification to become a trainer and assessor, and then also was teaching accounting and auditing at a university. So I suppose I've always had an interest in the workplace in training, but also outside accounting. I've been, I found it really interesting in how to convey information to other people and how, and help them really be successful or achieve in an area.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Have you found that, you know, obviously when you're coaching athletes, there's an aspect of sort of hyping them up and getting them excited and, you know, trying to engage their adrenaline to an extent. Have you found a way to translate that activity into your company, especially with remote team members? Is there something you took from that experience um, as a coach and working with, you know, junior Australian open players, um, where you're able to kind of get your, your current team at been being ninjas excited, like you can an athlete, or is it just too different?
1: Well, that's interesting. So that probably wasn't my strength as a coach. And I'd it clarify as well. I used a coach, uh, a school team where one of our players actually played in the junior australian open which i was very proud of i wasn't her personal tennis coach uh-huh. but i was uh, still involved in coaching that team and it was a team of great yeah high performance players but i think my skill as a coach was probably more around the technical side so how to improve a particular shot and the way to break that down and, and, and tackle because it's quite hard with it as a tennis coach it's quite hard to change the tennis stroke of someone who's hit thousands of strokes so that was probably more my area of expertise rather than getting the, ten, the players in the right mindset i kind of wanted them to have their own why but if they didn't that there was coaches that were a lot better than that than me and i probably use that same leadership style i've like been just where i've recruited people that align with the value and the, the mission but if they didn't i'd probably find it harder to inspire them i I kind of need them to have that within them, and then I'll create the the framework of what we're aiming towards
0: that's interesting i when I very first started running um trying to run marathons, I had a coach, and he constantly tried to get me to change the way I run, which I'd never even thought about the way I run, and then he kept telling me all the things I was doing wrong as we we're running and I'm about to die and pass out on the road and he kept telling me, "No, pick your feet up higher." And I just thought this is so unnatural. I've been running this way since I was like three years old. I don't know <laughs> I don't know how I can change this, but it's interesting to me that you're you're saying, even with coaching um something like tennis you you're there is a time when you kind of have to retrain a habit um, with retraining habits, I think of course, in a business sense with remote teams I, I'm sure that you've brought on team members who have not worked remotely before. And if you haven't worked remotely before, you know, there's a lot of things that are exactly the same and a lot of things that are different. But I think in my experience, what has to change more than anything is just the way that you approach your work day because you don't have a building that you're going into with, you know, a manager that's expecting you there at a certain time. So do you find that when you're bringing on team members that haven't worked remotely before, Um, do you find that you're using some of that same coaching where you're having to teach them how to do something differently, retrain a habit that they already have?
1: Absolutely. And I think some of it comes back to being productive and being happy in their own workday. And I assume that everyone would be suited to remote work because that's what I've been striving for. But (laughs) the transition is actually, it can be quite difficult, even for really highly motivated successful people with with balance in their lives where they've got other activities to go to mm-hmm. outside of work is actually a, a tough transition and so now I don't think we did that particularly well at the beginning whereas now when especially if we know that it's someone's first time working remotely then we try and put more effort into just chatting with them about different tips things that have worked for us and also just being aware it's probably going to take a few months to really settle into a nice routine and then again programs like peak persona which we talked about on the last episode which a lot of that is about creating personal habits to make you effective and so putting team members through things like that also help in embracing remote work Mm
0: -hmm. and i'm sure it helps too when you have team existing team members that you know are empathetic to that sort of period of change and adjustment um tell me when you when you are working as a training organization i think you know, like you said at the beginning, maybe there's some um, some processes that you want to kind of put in writing and, and develop as clearer steps. Where do you see being a training organization? Where do you see it taking being ninjas? Is it going to grow into something beyond what it is right now?
1: It may do. We, as we're starting to sell training, so we're starting to sell one-on-one zero training. We've got an online course that will be released fairly soon. And I'd say that as, as our skill set, we're building a skill set which helps us internally with a number of team members really starting to get very good at training. And for now, the intention is just so that we can build our team and really have a high-performing internal team. But I, I see that maybe in the future, we may start to focus more on selling training services externally. It, it's hard to say yet because we're, we're conscious of not trying to do too many things and staying focused on what our goals are. But I know that I love training and I think that some other people in the team are really starting to enjoy it and appreciate it as a separate skill set. So who knows what the future may hold there.
0: Yeah, it seems like it would be really helpful with the course that you're working on, which I can't wait for it to come out and become available because I want to take it too. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk more in a future episode about the difference between coaching and training, um, which I think is a really important Um, highlight to make, that there is a difference between those two things. What else do you want to let the audience know about today, about training and being a training organization, making it part of your foundation?
1: I've got a couple of other things that I wanted to add. One is for founders. I think founders can feel like it's not their responsibility to train, but actually it is, especially in the early years when you're still setting the foundation about what the business is about. So I think it's, It's not one person's responsibility in the team. It's every person's responsibility to take ownership and to learn how to be a good trainer and then execute on that and make sure that they're they're doing training well when they are training a particular skill or training staff. And then the other is to be patient because when you know something intimately because you've been doing it day in, day out, I think it's very easy to forget that what it was like when you first learnt that skill. And there's a statistic that I've read, I can't remember, I'm not sure how accurate it is or where it came from, but it was talking about someone might only re- retain 10% of what you tell them. So to think that you can deliver information once off and explain to someone what to do and expect them to retain 100% I think is very unrealistic. So it's important to convey information in chunks, have those feedback loops and, and check up to make sure that someone's understood and just be really patient And I think that's something that we know we've got a team of smart people and and people that have the right attitude and want to learn and want to do well. And so if someone hasn't understood or hasn't executed in the way that you want them to, then I think the first place to look is yourself as a trainer and how could you have done a better job or what could you have done differently? And then just be patient and understand that it may take a number of different training sessions for that person to be up to speed.
0: I think it's interesting, too, that you put ownership of the training, maybe um not having the desired effect. Um, you kind of put that ownership on the trainer to say, you know, have a little empathy. Remember what it was like when you were learning. And, you know, remember that if they're not picking up on it, then you have to adjust your delivery. Um I think that's Interesting. And I think it's, it's probably really working well for you because it's part of your foundation. So everyone on the team knows at some point I'm going to get some new training and I'm going to deliver some training. If I'm here long enough, I'll be, I'll be in that person's position. So there's a knowledge that I'll be my trainer one day. And, and on the trainer's side, it's, I, rem, you know, don't forget you were here before too, but knowing that, you know, it's not just something that, oh, nobody else wants to train the new person. So you have to do it. I think that type of attitude um, makes it, you know, more like a stressful thing. You know, like you drew the short stick. No one else wants to do this. <laughs> Whereas yeah. making it a real part of your organization and a part of your foundation and just a regular thing that's constantly happening. I think knowing that that is the way it is when you come into a company takes the pressure off. And it gives people the opportunity to enjoy training and receiving training, which um, I think is definitely going to make it more effective. Anytime you can remove stress, you allow the brain to think a little more clearly. So this has been really fun, Meryl. Thank you so much for another great episode. Um, I am going to include in the notes some of the information that, in the show notes, some of the information that we talked about. Um, any final thoughts
1: before we close the episode for today? Well, I did think of one thing I forgot to mention and that was Wayne recently implemented our Lunch and Learns, and that's just another example of introducing training within the business but also giving every, everyone in the team has got an opportunity to present or train on a particular topic of their expertise. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to leave with that as a parting note that doesn't have to be the most senior person in the organisation delivering the training, just giving everyone the opportunity to deliver training and think of it as a useful skill to develop.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. If you're hiring right, then everyone on your team has something to offer. And I love lunch and learns. I know there are a couple of companies that will record them because if you're a remote team, obviously lunchtime isn't the same for everyone. Um So I love like that too. <laughs> yeah. Breakfast
1: and lunch right. And all of the different times.
0: Right. 2am <laughs> and learn. I'm not interested in that one. So, <laughs> so I love that. Um, You know, a lot of companies record those so that people can watch them at a time that's convenient for them i'm a morning person so if you want to teach me something it's better to do it in the morning if you want me to learn something after like four o'clock three o'clock in the afternoon you better give me like a candy bar and a soda to go with it so i like that you know when i'm doing some training and stuff like that um, i can access it at a time when i know i'll absorb most of it so i love that you guys are doing that as well thank you so much for another episode meryl thank you audience for joining us don't forget to follow us on twitter friend us on facebook um, and check the show notes for links to valuable information that we covered in this episode. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. I am your co host, Elizabeth Powers, on behalf of Meryl Johnston and the rest of the Bean Ninjas team. Thank you for joining us here every week. Don't forget to send any questions you have for Meryl or any of our guests via facebook uh, or twitter at bean ninjas feel free to follow us check out our blog on bean ninjas.com blog we get a lot of updates that we add there so if you can't wait for the podcast to tell you what's new definitely check out the blog and send us your questions and come back here next week for another episode thanks everyone bye